You're listening to The Wicked Horror Show, powered by the Dorkening Podcast Network. For more information, check out thedorkening.com. This episode of Wicked Horror Show, just like all the other ones, we're broadcast live to Facebook. We were joined by two awesome guests from the new movie, Bad Frank, writer and director, Tony Germanario, as well as Bad Frank himself, Kevin Interdonato. If you haven't seen Bad Frank, you really need to. It's a very good time, very intense, very brutal. It's also starring Tom Sizemore, Brian O'Halloran, and Ray Boom Boom Mancini. How can you go wrong? And, as always, if you like what you hear, head over to Facebook.com every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for a live episode just like this one. Open chat room where you can talk to our guests and whatnot. And also, check out all the other shows. We have new stuff coming up, new sponsors, great stuff. I'm... More than happy to be part of this awesome podcast family. Enjoy the show. We are live, and uh, so we have some awesome guests here. So if you've been missing our Tuesday shows because of schedules, uh, we've been getting a ton of awesome guests that we had to start bringing them on to the Sunday show, and we just watched this movie. Absolutely loved it. So anyways, Bad Frank. I've actually watched it twice. It is, um, it, it really, uh, it's intense. I got, I got to say, Kevin, you're a beast. Like, oh, yeah. I was like, God damn, like, I wouldn't mess with this dude. And like, you're like, this seems where you're just like, hu- like, just huffing it down the street. And I'm like, God, I would not want to stumble across that. Like, uh, I don't know, man. But can can you guys maybe for the people that don't know about Bad Frank, you guys want to give a little bit of rundown of what the movie's about? Good. See. Yeah, it's basically about this guy who has impulse control disorder. And he, you know, spent the younger part of his life just screwing up his relationships because he, he just basically did whatever he felt like, whenever he felt like. You know, it's years later now when the movie finally takes place. And he's medicated, he's married, and he's trying to repair all his old relationships. And just as he's about to reconnect with his family, uh, you know, he runs out of his medication, runs into his old boss, and just all hell breaks loose from there. That sums it up. Yeah, and he's <laughs> pretty much. Really, really great cast in this one too. Uh, yeah. We actually we, we talked to Brian O'Halloran um, a couple weeks ago about this, cool. and um, even though he's not in it a ton, he's awesome when he's in Isn't it. Isn't he? Yeah, he's yeah. great, man. He hit and then, a home run. And those yeah, are hard totally balls did. to hit too. I mean, there's not a lot of a lot of time to develop a character when you come in strong like that. Yeah, and he's a real pro. I mean, he jumped right in on the scenes that he was in. I mean, we were sticking forks in him. You know, was. He was, he, was, he, was a, he was a true player, and he, he got right in there. He really enjoyed it, and uh, and he was just fantastic. You know, he was only on a couple of days, but he just jumped right in with everybody, and he fit in very well. He was, uh, you know, it was just he was just great to have on set. Yeah. And then uh, you had Tom Sizemore on the cast as well. Yeah. How was That's... that? <laughs> you want to take that, Kevin? You want me to take it? Uh, uh, I'll take it. Um, he was great. Um he was great, you know, he's just, uh, look, Tom's got his quirks, man, he's, you know, um, but at the end of the day, he came, he showed up, he worked hard, and, you know, you don't get that a lot, you know, you, you, we didn't know if he was going to be a prima donna or, or what, but uh, one of the producers on the project, Peter Dobson, knows him personally, and that's how we got to him, and he pretty much, 
pretty much gave Tom the rundown and to, told him what we were all about and who we were. And he said, you know, don't, don't, can we curse on this, guys? I don't want to oh, say yeah. Oh, he yeah, said, you can. Fuck around, you know. He said, bring your A game. And, and he did. I mean, yeah, he missed the plane coming out, right, T, and, and all that stuff. But, uh, um, yeah, he kind of missed it, but, you know, it's, uh, it was all good. It was all good in the end. He did a great job. And uh, I, I don't know. I'm not alone thinking it's one of his best performances in a long time. Uh, he did great. Now, he actually said that himself. He said he thought it was one of the top three performances he's ever done. And, uh, you know, when he showed up on set, we, we originally were going to have a couple of days before he got there because we wanted to you know, get our feet underneath us. And uh, it was the first time I was actually directing. And, you know, we wanted to kind of be a smooth oil machine. But then uh, Kev picked up another role. So we had to, to change the schedule a little bit. And, you know, he was there first day on set. So we, we all got together for dinner the day before, and you know, he was really quiet. We were all a little worried, like, oh, my God, what's this going to be like? And, you know, later on, he said that, you know, he was nervous coming into the shoot. And we're like, you know, you're Tom Sizemore. What the fuck are you nervous about? You know, we're, <laughs> we're, uh, we're in a little bit different position than you. But, yeah, he was great. I mean, even he, he shot for four days. He was throwing himself around in the mud in the rain and no questions asked, just jumped right in. Yeah. And then even on the day he was supposed to leave, you know, he, he hung around and wanted to go out to dinner again and just hang out because he had a good time. And, and he's, you know, how do you say no to having dinner with Thomas Eisenhower? That's The stories he tells alone are worth it. And and he was, like I said, like Kev said, he's, he's a sweet guy, really good guy. And, you know, it's unfortunate some of the things that have happened to him in the past, but he definitely deserves to be up there as, you know, one of the, the top actors out there because he, he's, just, he's just a beast. How he yeah. can turn it on and off and just jump right in is just... It's incredible. Yeah. I don't he, disagree. Like he's he's really. He, I thought his I thought his performance was great in this one. But I'm sorry, Wolfie, you were trying to say something. Oh no, I just uh, Tom Sizemore. I don't know if he if this is if this is how he is, but he seems like the kind of person that's like always in character, no matter what, whether he's on the set or off. I mean, that just that's the way he comes. At, uh, Not you know, really. No? no. I mean, he he actually like. Once the cameras are off, I mean, he's just like a jovial storytelling guy. I mean, he loves telling stories. He has billions of them. Um, but no, I mean, he's he's just he's just having fun right now, and he can he seems to just be able to turn it on and off really easily. Like he was at one point, we did this, uh, we did a take, finished the take, and we're like, uh, you know, I think we're good. He's like, you know what? I think I could do that a little bit better. Can we can we just do one more? I'm gonna go outside for a couple minutes. Give me a second and just have the cameras rolling. I'm just going to come flying in and just don't turn the cameras off. We're like, all right, that's good. He came in and we did the entire, what you see on camera in one of the, uh, one of the scenes is the entire take. We just, we didn't shut the camera off the entire time. We used the entire thing. And once we cut, he's like, yeah, I, I think that was better. Do you guys like that one? We're like, yeah. <laughs> kind of looking around like, yeah, that was great. Um, yeah, I think we're good. <laughs> which which scene was that without giving too much away? That was the uh, the one in the basement um, when he's got the other guy kind of tortured. Mm. That okay. one. Is so it the that one where he's like, I'm, "I'll eat you." Is it that one? <laughs> That's the one. Yeah. That, I, I was oh, gonna that actually, was such a great scene. <laughs> it was. It really was. I was gonna actually ask if that was off the cuff or if that was like how much of that was actually scripted. No, I was a lot of what Tom does is off the cuff. Right. What he kind of does is you give him the book and he just goes like this. Right. Yeah. He'll go on it and off it. But he stays within the concept, mm -hmm. which is fine. Right. Because that way he's really making the character his own. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of people do that. You know, as long as they feel comfortable with it, they know how to stay within what they need to. 
Uh, and he tells one story in there. I won't reveal which one it is, but he tells a story in there that once we cut, we're like, dude, where did you get that from? He's like, oh, that's a true story. And we're like, uh, all right, we, we need to go in the next room and move, move away from you just for a little bit because that's a little disturbing that you know that. But uh, but he, he's just, he, like I said, he's full of so much stories and experience. It's uh, It's crazy. Yeah. I agree with you. I mean, he's been in like he's been in like everything from the smallest movies to the biggest movies, and he should be regarded as one of the biggest actors out there. You know, one of the A gamers. Yeah, yeah. That that particular scene though that that we were just talking about, the way that it ends, I thought was hilarious. Like the <laughs> like what he's the last thing he says. I'm just like, oh, okay, All right. Like that's Tom Sizemore right there. That's totally him. That's awesome. No, it was yeah, it was uh, it was great. He definitely I couldn't imagine anyone else playing that. Yeah, it's funny. So Brandon Heitkamp, who was in the scene with him, uh, you know, the two of them just played off each other really well, right? So, uh, you know, it, it's when you get people together like that, it's just fun to watch. You know, sometimes you kind of forget that you know you're you're directing or you know you're just you, you just kind of you get caught up in the moment, like yeah, that's pretty damn good. Oh yeah, yeah, cut. Oh yeah, we're good, we're good. But uh, yeah, it's just you know you let people do what they do. And you get magic sometimes. And we filmed this, Kevin, with 11 and a half days. And, you know, you get the magic. There's only that, 11 and a half days to film this. Yeah, it's gunning and running, wow. man. Yeah. They weren't really long days either. You know, we just kind of had everything set. You know, when you got low budget stuff, man, the. Well, look, when you do low budget, the pre planning is like three times as long. The pre production, the, pre, the development, everything's so much longer getting ready. So then at least you got your ducks in a row when you get to set. And that's pretty much what we did. It was ready, you know? So, so, so one of the other names in this movie who is not known for being an actor played your father. Yeah. What was that like? Ray Boom Boom Mancini. Yeah, it was great. It was great. I've known Ray for, God, 15 years now. So um, I gave him a call when it was time and he just said yes on the spot. I didn't read the script or anything. And, um, he was great, wasn't he? I mean, it, it was really something. And it's uncanny how much we look like each other. Um, yeah. So I just thought that was a really interesting concept. But he uh, was wonderful. Another pleasure to be around. You know, sweet guy. Uh, I got a little nervous those scenes when I got aggressive with him. I, mean, <laughs> I kept saying, be in between takes. I was running away. And I was like, don't hit me. Don't hit me, Ray. He's like, I'm not going to hit you. I'm not going to hit you. Because <laughs> boxes are funny, you know, like that. They don't... Um, do you guys know any any professional fighters or uh, um, person? Yeah, I haven't. There's one of them I know. I haven't I haven't talked to him in a very long time. But yeah, yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't want to. Yeah, I wouldn't want to mess. Well, they with all either. have this. It, it goes beyond like toughness. They all have like this common this common thread about them that uh, they won't they won't lose. They won't go down in life. Yeah. And when I was holding on to Ray's arm, he was supposed to show fear. And he had a very hard time doing that. And, uh, you know, I could only do so much. You know what I mean? I'm not going to grab Ray Boom Boom Mancini harder. But, you know, we talked a little bit between, between takes. And, you know, he, and he did it. He finally did enough where he just still was stoic about it. But um, I've known another a couple of fighters. And I read this book called, by uh, Teddy Atlas, an old trainer, boxing trainer from still around. And uh, he had a part in a movie one time, and they wanted him to go down. He's playing like this fighter. And he's like, yeah, what if we, you know, what if I slip this punch and this back up? And they're like, no, we need you to go down. He's like, yeah, well, I don't know if I, I see it like that. <laughs> and that was, <laughs> it made me think of Ray. But, um, you know, he's a diehard, man. Yeah, he's, uh, he's an old school guy. And um, 
Right, T, he was just a true pleasure, man. True pleasure. Yeah, I don't think you'll find a nicer guy on the planet. Man. He was he jumped right in. He talked to everybody on set and became their friend and he even took pictures with uh with all the kids on set. So yeah, and if in the in the last scene he's all bloodied and beat up and everything. So he had all the kids come over and pretend to punch him and he's like this in all the pictures and he was he was just great. I mean he even tried so we were driving back to the airport, he tried to tip our driver just for driving. I'm like, dude, you got paid three hundred dollars for being here. Hold on to your money. We're we're good. And we're like, don't worry about it. Yeah, it, it's it's funny. It's like he he seems like I mean, I've never heard anything bad ever said about Ray. Well even when he was boxing. It's like I've always heard the, the nicest the nicest thing said about him. And he was part of that whole boxing era. You know when it was when it was golden. I don't really follow boxing now. I I mean I, I it was like when Ray was around and Tommy Hearns and oh, yeah. ha- and Hagler. You know that's that's what the, like around the last time I really really watched it. You yeah. know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that that I thought that was so cool when I saw Ray Mancini's name in there. You know, I was like, is that Ray Boom Boom Mancini? And then <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's him, man. Yeah, he was the, <laughs> he was the first kind of non heavyweight to hit it really big. He was, right? he was charismatic and he was, you know, uh, you know, good looking kid. And he, I know he, he's from Youngstown, but he came out, like, I guess when he was boxing, he came out of Jersey. Right. So he had the whole mystique down and, you know, he was really the first non heavyweight to, to take over. And that's when, you know, the fights were on every Saturday on ABC in the seventies. Right. And that's yeah. when it was just, he was everywhere. Right. And it was, yeah. And he, you know, and he was only 20, 21 at the time. So everything that he's been through is just being incredible. Yeah. So, Kevin, uh, I, I mentioned how intense your character is. Um, where, where did you, where did you pull that from? Like, is that something that you can just do, or like, where did you get that inspiration? Because, that, like I said, there's 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 times where it's very intense, and you know, kudos, obviously, but Thanks, you know, man. yeah. But where 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 did that come from? Um, listening to, uh, to your podcast, actually. Oh, nice. Just infuriated. Just like, oh my God, shut your mouth. Oh my God. Leo yeah. has this angst about him. And I said, I hear this. <laughs> you know, Leo I don't know. Nice. I just kinda, it, some things sing to you and some things don't, you know, um, Tony and Brandon, uh, came to me with the story and, and the character and all that stuff. And, you know, I was in on the spot and, um, I kind of just had this feeling, you know? So I think it's, uh, you know, acting, acting is a funny thing. I, everyone has a different way of looking at it, but um, I think it's kind of adjusting to life and we all have different sides to us, whether we're actors or not. Like if the four of you guys were to hang out together and, you know, go grab a beer, you behave a certain way. If you maybe have, uh, you know, a father-in-law or, and then, you know, his friends and you go out with them have a beer or a glass of wine, you may behave a little different. You're still you, but you just kind of adjust to the people that are around you. So acting is, for me, it's kind of similar. You know, you're always in different positions and I take my relationships seriously with everyone that's around me. And then I just kind of put myself in those circumstances. And as far as just getting into the character there, um, I don't know, it's one of those things I really just can't explain. You just kind of do your thing. But thanks. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it, was, it was pretty intense. Like I... There was that uh, that one scene where, you know, obviously she ran into your friend, and you just see the broken coffee cup on the ground, and then you're just like huffing it down the street. I'm like, oh yeah, he's like yeah. a tank. It's crazy. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I blew I my hamstring thinking on that I, saw, I saw someone running towards me like that. I probably would have just stopped what I was doing. <laughs> like, yeah, no. <laughs> and what did you say? What did you do? Did you you damn you? Yeah, we you pulled all the hamstring. We all got beat up pretty good on this one, man. I blew my hamstring out. My shoulder got busted up. I got a, I got a concussion that last scene. Um, that was bad. God, we we're trying to hide that from Tony because I had off the next day. Thank God, but I was like throwing up all over the place and. Couldn't stand. <laughs> Sucky. <laughs> yeah, they didn't tell me till like the next day. We didn't want him to worry. So uh, I was hugging the walls in the you know the apartment I was staying in. And I was like, oh god, the room was going around like crazy. So I, I think the next day after that, it was pretty relaxing scenes. They weren't too too nuts. So yeah, I recovered quick. Nice. Well, so where can where can people find out? Or where can people see Bad Frank? Well, right now it's available on iTunes, so you can get it on iTunes, you can get it on Amazon. Uh, I think it's on most major platforms now, like uh, Vudu, I think, is one, and I don't even know all the ones that are on right now. There's so many of them. But, uh, it's Vudu, not to cut you off to you, I just look, it's Vudu, Google Play, um, most of the cable networks, Verizon Fios, all stuff like that. It's out there, so it's worth checking out. Well, uh, one thing, uh, we do have a couple links. If you check the show notes up above or down below, depending on where you're watching, you're going to find a link to Amazon if you want to buy the physical copy uh, on uh, VOD also. You have the links right there. And uh, do we have permission to show the trailer? Absolutely. Okay, well, uh, here we go. Here's a trailer for Bad Frank. Hello, Frank. Hi. How have you been since our last session? Just fine. So everything is just fine. How's work? Works work. Understandable. But you enjoy the job. Yeah. You're getting along with everyone. Yeah. Well, that's good, Frank. Have you spoken with your family? No. I haven't. I tried, but. Well, it's okay. These things, they can take time. How is that beautiful wife of yours? She's great. Everything is going really well. My life is very, uh, calm. Very good, Frank. Are you consistently taking your medications? Yeah. Frank? Yeah, I yeah. am. Well, good. And have you had any disturbing or violent urges? So that was the trailer for Bad Frank. We urge you definitely to check it out. We absolutely love this movie, and we know you're going to. Um, so the one thing that throws me off, the first scene when you're working on uh, on the wood and you purposely bash your hand, oh, my God, I cringe so bad at that. But um, I wasn't sure where you were going when you said working on the wood. I know, because I was like, I was trying to think of the first scene, because I was like, was it sex scene? 
Yes. Yeah. He's kind of faking it a little bit, so he could have been working on the. I would, all right. Just, just okay. Good. Uh, no, uh, where do you see this going? Do you see more of um, Bad Frank? Do you see more of uh, you know a continuation of the story without giving any spoilers? How it ends. I, I, I don't. You know, someone hit me up the other day, and um, they said they wondered what it would be like seeing a prequel as opposed to seeing where it goes. I was like, oh, that'd be interesting. Yeah. yeah. That'd be interesting. So I, I don't know. T, T, do you ever think about it? Yeah, I, I mean, tons of people have asked me, like, oh, when's the next one? What are you doing next? And, you know, uh, it's I, I could see something happening. Um, it all depends on how the film does. You know, if the film does well, yeah. You know, we we got a, we had a great team, and uh, you know it, it's easy to pull that back together. But you know, it, it's uh, there's so many different ways the story could go, and I think that's what's great about the ending is, you know, so many people have said, you know, did he do this? Did he do that? You know, <laughs> what, what happened? Like, I have my theories around it, and you hear every theory is you know from A to Z, and you, you just look at them, and like some of them you're like, oh, you are so far off base, but other ones you're like, oh, you know, that that could be interesting. So uh, you know. It, it, I, you know, it's, it's nothing is out of the realm of impossibility. Let's put it that way. I, I like that, the way that it ends. Um, I don't know if I'd want to see a sequel, but I, I really like the idea of a prequel. I think interesting, uh, right? I mean, essentially, yeah. if it's a prequel, it would be a different person, um, slightly. You know, it it because uh, most of Bad Frank, he is well either medicated in the very beginning and then coming off of it and going having withdrawals and reactions and everything. Uh, yeah, it'd be an interesting role to play. It would. We'd have to work with work with Tom again. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. <laughs> We'd have to do some CGI on Tom to make him younger. That would be the only thing is uh, put him down like twenty years or something like that. Yeah, true. Well, it's, true. it's it's doable. I've seen it in a lot of movies recently. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure well, it's, we need a budget too. Yeah. We need a budget. We we filmed this thing for eighty eighty grand. That was it. So uh, that's probably what it cost to do one scene of CGI to do that sort of thing. Yeah. So. yeah. I'm always amazed. That... The, uh... oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Did you hear about the Irishman with uh, De Niro and Pacino and Pesci yeah. and, and Harvey Keitel? So they're aging them. Oh, I'm sorry, they're de-aging them. So they're having all those characters. They're doing flashbacks from when they were young gangsters, and they're putting all those little things on their faces and everything. And they're de-aging all of them, so it's all going to be computer-generated. Pacino, De Niro, Pesci, and Keitel younger, and then they're going to age them to current. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, that that's, that sounds insane. awesome. Yeah, it's like either it's gonna look awesome or it's just. <laughs> how, how far back are they going? Like, are they going back? Like, going back to birth. Days? I don't know. I could have, you know, a, a little baby Harvey Keitel. Yeah. <laughs> we, we've all heard how he cries in movies. That would be un, that would be uncomfortable to have a baby Harvey Keitel uh, crying like that. Imagine the, the Pacino yell as a baby. I mean, that must be that must be awesome. <laughs> Uh, who did they go uh, to recently I, that looked like uh, it was um, Guardians Two? Well, yeah, Gar oh yes, yes. Oh yeah. Oh, Kurt Russell. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was crazy. That was yeah. yeah. That was yeah. But yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm just curious to, to hear like to, to see how far back they're going and like what they're using as references because you know like Kaitel like the first I knew of him was Taxi Driver. I'm sure that was you know he was in other things before that, but like. He was such a different looking guy back then. Like he was, yeah. he was like jacked at one point. It was weird. Yeah, yeah. He was. I'm a, big. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of him. Yeah. Um, he was in Mean Streets, so. Oh, that's true. 
Yeah, yeah, Mean Streets. It's like a bad lieutenant. The, no, the creepy, like oh. the creepy scene in the middle of the street and bad lieutenant. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> well, what I was going to say is uh, I, I'm completely the opposite when it comes to like what Kevin was saying. It's like I, I, I don't really, from a horror standpoint, I don't really care about the, what the early goings on of what made the character the character. Mm. You know, I'd rather see a sequel than a prequel. And, and you know, it's that's just uh, that's the way I think. It's like I, I already kind of know his backstory. I don't need but, it being. But this isn't like a this isn't like a like a slasher horror movie. Like no, I know, I know. I'm just saying. I think, that's, I think his that's, story is a little a little more. There's a little more to it than like oh he's a monster. Like I think it's you know. more, a bit more deserving of knowing everything that happened that led to him being medicated. And... I, I I get that. That's just the way. My mind thinks, you know, it's like uh, yeah. I'd, rather, I'd rather just see a, a, you know, expand already and go go further as Frank rather than see young Frank the yeah. the teenage years, you know, where he's you know, shooting cops and stealing cars or whatever. What if you did the sequel? Split the difference, right? Yeah. You start off with a little uh, prequel and then you d- develop like right after that. You kind of split and split it down the middle. Who knows? Well, well that, that's what makes flashbacks. Yeah, that's yeah, that, that's what makes Godfather Two so great. Yeah, yeah. Because it's it's both in a way, you know. Yeah. You get the early days of Vito Corleone, yet you get the the modern day of uh, Michael. Right, right, right. No, can we get a fifteen year old Kev? Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna put a mullet on him and uh, a winger t shirt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, so is there anything I know, like you know? artists and people that create are always judgmental of their own work is there anything you guys would have done a little differently with the movie or maybe something you wish you had another shot at at uh, at hitting in this one i'm judgmental of tony's work um <laughs> more than, no no I, well oh, for personally yeah of course you know you can't help but pick apart your own stuff and that's kind of how you learn but um that was tony's first feature man i thought he did an excellent job excellent job it's hard I wouldn't hard, have been able to, to I wouldn't have I wouldn't have said like that's his first movie directing. Yeah. I wouldn't have said that. Yeah. It's hard to pull off. It's hard to pull oh, off. Thanks. I mean, I think uh we've we've all seen it so many times now through the festival circuit and stuff like that. And every time you watch it, there's always like, Oh man, I wish we could have done that, I could have done this or whatever. And I, it's not really anything to do with the performances. I think it's more having to do with just the amount of time that we had, right? Because when you're when you have such a low budget, you only have certain time to do certain things and get certain shots, right? And you know, we look at it, and there's certain things like, oh man, I would have loved to have a pan shot over here and be able to have done that. And you, you know, you just run out of time. So that's the only thing I really think that would have been nice to have done different. Like you give us another ten days, I think the shots we would have had are ridiculous. But eleven and a half days, you kind of you know, you're, you're cheating here, you're cheating there to get things done quick. So you have to kind of figure out what makes the most sense, how you can do it. And th- those are probably the only things I would really say that, hey, it would be great to be able to do something here. But that, that's about it. Hmm. Yeah, but if you had, if we give you those extra 10 days, we wouldn't get the movie that we got today. We would have got true. Like, um, Yeah, that's true. You that's know, true. And, and I think the movie stands by itself as uh, yeah. a really oh, great thank film. You. So. Oh, wow. Thank you. Appreciate Thanks, that. Man. Well, to the point, yeah, where I've I've already watched it twice, so, and I I mean, and it's because I watched it once and I was like, okay, this is gonna be awesome, and then like, because we we thought you guys were gonna be on earlier, then I'm like, they're coming back, they're they're coming on, like I need to watch it again, and and then I remember like, 
how just how how fun it was. So, oh, yeah. wow. it's it's a really good one. What, now, what do you guys have going on besides Bad Frank? Like, uh, I know you're a working actor. I know you're you've been uh, you've been in the industry for a while, Tony, right? Me? No, I'm actually no. fairly new to it. Um, huh? It started late in life. Uh, this like this is my directorial debut, and uh, I've been writing for a little while. But you know, when you're a writer. You try and write all this stuff, but you never know who's going to make it or whatever. And that's that's why I just started making stuff on my own. Um, I wrote a feature that that's that's how I met Kevin called Wingman Inc., which was completely the opposite of Bad Frank. It was uh, a professional wingman falls in love with a professional cockwalker. So it was uh, you know, <laughs> uh, a demented rom com. But uh, you know, we made that out in L.A. and was more expensive than it should have been and you know I, I didn't want that to be the last thing I did because you know we had uh, some, we had some great people on it like, like Kevin and some other people that we work with and Brandon and stuff and um, I wanted to try and do something on my own and that's really where Bad Frank came from you know we got the money together it wasn't that much so we were able to pull it together and you know the majority of it was shot in my house um, so between my house and friends' house and business we did it real quick and you know, I, I, I wanted to just continue telling stories. I mean, to me, that's fun. I mean, I, I've, I've still got a nine-to-five job that I'm trying to get out of. But, uh, you know, right now, this is what uh, is really my passion, what's, what's driving me. You know, and Kevin did such a good job in the film. It's given us the opportunity to get in front of people that, you know, we hadn't before. So every time, you know, you take baby steps forward. So we're looking forward to the next one. And, you know, Kevin's got uh, Dirty Dead Con Men, which uh, I helped out on a little. So, I mean, we've we've got stuff that we're working on to try and push us to that next level. So you have something in the works. Uh, what did you say it was called, Dirty Dead Con Men? Yeah, Dirty Dead Con Men. It's kind of a cross between, um, geez, I guess the first season of Miami Vice slash L.A. Confidential, kind of. Um, hmm. It's a really stylistic movie. It's uh, really interesting. Very heavy score, very colored. It's... A lot of fun. Um, so I got that lined up. That should be late, I don't know, late, maybe November. And um, speaking of Pesci before, I just found out, I actually just got the okay to say this. Tony, I don't know if I told you, but um, one of the producers from Bad Frank, Peter Dobson, has been working on a movie for a very long time called Exit 102. And um, it's a go. It's greenlit. It's now called Asbury Park. Uh, obviously, it's, you know, it's about Asbury Park in 1974, kind of the end of the Greasers and the start of the Rockers down the music scene. And that's kind of a cross between The Outsiders and The Wanderers and West Side Story all mixed in. It's a big movie. And um, I got a nice part in that. And they just signed Joe Pesci and some other people, too. So that's, uh, that's September. That sounds that's, awesome. Yeah, can't wait. Can't wait. Just Absolutely. make sure you don't drop a pin around him. That's all I got to say. <laughs> you know. Well, he's a Jersey guy too. Uh, he came. He's from Newark, right, T? He's from. Newark. Uh, that's where he started. Yeah, he still lives down the shore somewhere. Yeah, yeah, he's at the shore. Yeah, but um, looking forward to that. It's going to be a nice one. Yeah. So. Sounds like a really just a cool story too. Like it just sounds like it's going to be yeah. awesome. Oh, it's cool. It's rock and roll. It's it's muscle cars. It's like straight throwback. It's real raw, gritty. Uh, they're going for it. And there's some other big names that I, I can't say yet, but uh, it's been pretty cool. It's awesome. Congrats. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Thanks. And I, uh, I just, uh, I'm actually three weeks from yesterday is uh, I'm starting filming on uh, my next one, which is, uh, it's called The Price for Silence. It's a uh, psychological rape revenge story. 
Um, we, we just signed Richard Thomas to be the lead. And we got one or two other names that were going to be uh, in it as well. And Lynn Mancinelli, who was in the film Bad Frank, um, she played Crystal, the daughter. She's actually the lead in this. So we've got, uh, you know, we're putting a nice little thing together. We're going to film it again all in the area around here. A little bit bigger budget, a little bit more time. But, uh, you know, we've got basically a lot of the same team together. So, uh, um, you know, to the we're at the stress level right now where you're three weeks out and you're like, holy shit, we're making another movie. It's time to go. So, uh, but it's, it should be a lot of fun. It should be a lot of fun. Richard yeah, Thomas, uh, that's great. That, that's really not the first name I think of when I think Rape Revenge, you know? Well, he's, yeah, but I, like, that, I started watching The Americans, right? And he's badass on The Americans as the uh, the FBI agent. And he, he's a perfect fit for the role that he's going to play here because he's kind of the patriarch of the town that everyone's afraid of. And, you know, he's got, he's kind of somewhat charming, but also somewhat uh, demonic. And he's got a good mix of that, what he can pull together. So it, I'm, I'm pretty excited. That's cool. I, I I dig those kinds of movies. I was just that that was, was kind of surprising. That was the name that yeah. got pulled out of the hat, you know. Yeah, that's good though. Well, I mean, it's, I figure I want yeah. to try something a little different. He he liked the script, and you know, I think he's uh, it's going to give him the opportunity to do something a little different for himself. And that, I think actors like that a lot, right? They always want to try and do something a little bit different, you know, rather than being stuck in the same you know typecast role all the time. So he's. He, I think that's one of the things he, he liked about it. So, uh, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm just excited to, to get back, back back behind the camera and see what we can do. So that kind of uh, answers a little bit of the question I was going to ask, is, like, do you do you see yourself doing other things, other, uh, you know, you did a, Bad Frank was basically a thriller. Um, but do you see your, and you said that you did a, com, a rom-com, so you do see yourself doing, like, all the different genres that you can. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm just a film fan, right? I mean, uh, I've written all sorts of different types of scripts, right? So after for this particular one, I, I consciously wanted to stay somewhat close to the audience that we were that we targeted. Um, but you know, once that's this one's done, I have you know, I've got a straight up horror movie that I'm working on. I've got a uh, a comedy about an 18 year old that runs for president, right? I mean, I've got a whole bunch of different ones that. You know, I, I just want to entertain, right? I mean, you get stories stuck in your head and you just got to get them out. You know, Kevin knows all about this. I mean, once you get something that is in your head, you got to do something with it. Otherwise, it'll just bug you forever. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I have a heavy bag. I don't know what else to do. <laughs> now, Kevin, is there any, any any genre you haven't touched on in acting that you've always wanted to or that you you're hoping you will be able to? Well, you're not going to see me in a rom-com anytime soon, that's for sure. Um, at least, like, as a lead, I think I'm romantic. But I I, um, <laughs> I just, you know... I'd say you are, yeah. And it is what it is. So um, I've, done a, I've done everything. It's just that sometimes the movies you do don't take off. They don't go anywhere. So it just depends on, you know, what the audience likes. And it, it's funny. You know, you, you think about getting typecast and everything like that. This business is so fucking hard, man. Getting typecast is like a champagne problem, you know what I mean? So if that, you know, that happens to some actors and, and hey, they're working and they got money and they're getting their name out there and that's fine. I haven't been too typecast yet, but um, if that happens as things start moving forward, it's okay. Because independent film gives you the chance to breathe and freedom and, and I, you know, produce and write myself. So I'll never feel stuck. I just won't. So. And that answers my other question. 
<laughs> I was gonna ask if he ever if he writes his own stuff and he, he answered. He it. does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dirty Dead Conman. I, I I was involved in writing that. I was involved with that, Frank, and uh, I have a couple other uh, scripts as well coming up. So hopefully one next year I'll be shooting another one called Brusco in New Jersey, and uh, that should be a lot of fun too. Yeah, you got to keep going, right? See, I mean, no one's there to push you. No one's there to say, hey, maybe you should get up and write today, or maybe you should do this. You just got to go. I know yeah. actors are so fucking lazy. <laughs> they, they go to the gym during the day thinking it's like part of their routine. And it's like, what are you out of your mind? You know what I mean? It's like, it's not work. It's not productive. So, you know, you just got to stay productive, man. Just treat it like a normal work day. That's it. By the way, I'm, I'm five in the bag right now, Coors Light. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's, it's true. I don't have a schedule. My Sunday is like a Wednesday. It doesn't matter. So that's just my lifestyle. It's, it's crazy. It's off the wall. But you got to keep hustling. That's it. Yeah. You know? So, Tony, you had said that uh, you're still working a nine to five. Like, uh, yeah. how difficult is that to balance this all out? Yeah, I hope your boss is not listening. You said you're trying to get out of that, man. I mean, you don't well, I mean, I don't, I don't think anyone ever, you know, most people work at a nine to five. They didn't grow up wanting to do that, right? I mean, <laughs> this, this is what I've grow, always grown up wanting to do, right? And uh, I, I uh, I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, it, it is, it's, a, I'm very fortunate that I have a very understanding wife and, uh, kids that love, you know, the idea of what I do. So, uh, you know, they're very understanding and, uh, it is, it's a tough balance sometimes, but you know, when you really like the other thing that you're doing, like, I don't, I don't dislike my job, but you know, it's, again, I didn't grow up wanting to be a software salesman, right? I mean, it's it's fun. It's okay. It's it helps. It's gotten me a lot of things I never would have gotten. I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing right now if I didn't have that type of job because it's flexible and you know it, the the pay was decent enough that I could spend my off hours doing this. Right. So um, yeah, the balance sometimes is tough, but when you like what you're doing so much, it's worth it. Right. I got the chance to work with Tom Sizemore and Kevin and you know Ray Mancina. How the hell else was I going to get the opportunity to do that? Right. So. Um, yeah, well worth it. Well worth it. Uh, just curious, what software? Uh, what type of software? <laughs> uh, the company is called Aptus. It is quote to cash software. Okay. If you know what that is. If you're familiar with Salesforce.com. Yes. Yep. Yes. We're based on the Salesforce platform. Oh, okay. Did you guys ever see the movie Boiler Room? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's actually. It's actually a favorite movie of mine. With you know, it's, it's Vin Diesel before Vin Diesel. Yeah, yeah. Before he yeah. thought he was Vin Diesel. Yeah, it's, it's a great film. Before he realized he was Vin Diesel, and just like, <laughs> yeah, definitely. It, it came out like a year or two before Fast That's and funny. Furious. Yeah. My my favorite performance of his is the Iron Giant, and after that, I'm done. <laughs> That's it. I'm done with him. But anyways, yeah, that's, well, that's, that's awesome. I think finally stopping Fast and Furious at 20, right? Are they going to go that far, I think? They're going to go geriatric and furious or something like that? I'm not sure. Fast and Furious are like those little hover-around things. <laughs> they got the little elevators up the stairs. They kind of sit in it. There, there's only two more movies left. <laughs> uh, I still haven't seen any of them. Oh, well. That, um, that's, that's what I hear. I mean, Vin Diesel has it planned out that he knows how he wants it to end after part 10. Wow, Good. I've wanted it to end after part one. Yeah, but yeah, well, the, it's, um, it's just like the Transformers movies. You know, as long as they're making money, they're going to continue to you know just beat that dead horse. And 
you say beat that dead horse, but it, honestly, it's one of the weirdest things that most sequels make less money than the than the previous movie. But every sequel for Fast and Furious has made more money than its previous sequel. Crazy man! Don't be talking about sequels making less money because we were just talking to them about doing a sequel to Bad Frank. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying that's usually the trend. Yeah, you know? but in, indie movies are different. Yeah, but indie movies, you know, they, they, they have interesting stories. It's not just retelling the same thing over and over again. Not lens flares, not no. just computer animated <laughs> robots. Yeah. Yeah. Cars going driving from building to building, gravity not taking, whatever. The but anyways. The competition is so insane, man. I know when we're on iTunes, you know, every now and then we'll take a look at it. And uh, in the independent section, um. You look at these films, I just looked at the other day, and it's like movies with Natalie Portman and this one, that one. And I was like, wow, the word indie used to really mean something when I started out. Indie was like, it was like a feeling, you know? It was like this grit, this rawness to it. It was like you come in here low budget and you prove you could bang something out. That's what indie was. Then Hollywood caught on to it, turned into indie wood, and you know now indies have $20, $30 million budget. So, but they call themselves indie, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's uh, it's a crazy thing, man. But I think there's still something to be said for people uh, like Tony and all the producers and everything that could put something together for minimal cost and really make something that moves people. Yeah. And it's kind of irrelevant of the budget. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, we, we've had a lot of people on here that when they say what their budget is, it, it it's most of the time it's surprising to me. Um, yeah. You know, because I'm like, you know, obviously you have people behind you that know how to do a lot with a little. Because right. it really comes across like I, I, I'm sure we all know uh, movies that were much higher budget that look like garbage, you know. And there's no there's no heart to it, no nothing to it. But yeah. you know, it's you have, what you can do with passion and a little bit of money and talent, you know. It's it's, well, yeah, it's, it's this, awesome. Uh, I met this guy at a festival in in Maryland, and super nice guy. We got you know we were talking films and everything. He still calls me a liar every time I see him. Because he doesn't believe how little we spent on the movie. Because he made a movie himself that he spent more money on. He, every time I see him, he's like, you know, I, I'm going to get it out of you one of these days, what you really spent on it. Because I know you're lying to me. You're looking at me right in the face, and you're lying to me. And, uh, but he's, you know, he, he, he's just, uh, he, he's a good guy. And uh, it's, it, you're right. I mean, when you, when you try and do the right things, you know, you, you, you're an indie, indie filmmaker. You just got to, you know, cut corners everywhere you can. But that doesn't mean you have to sacrifice the quality, right? You just have to figure out where do you spend in the right spots. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. How do you make the movie tell the story without cutting too much of the plot or too much of the exposition, or you know? You know what's funny? Yeah. Not, not not to cut you off. Um, no, that's good. We talked about that specifically when we started. Remember, T? Um, yeah. I know. I, I I came to the table with that. I just had this. This notion, because I've done so many indie films and I've done projects with big money and this and that, and all they are is really just bigger, you know. But if you, if you think about it, let's say uh, the six of us are cast in Bad Frank, right? All his actors. Tony's the lead, and oh boy, uh, there's another six actors in another movie, and the budget is fifty million dollars. Because we're doing a film for eighty thousand dollars, us six. Does that mean that your talent? is any less than if you do one for 50 million. It's not. Your talent doesn't go up and down based on how much money you're getting paid or how much money is going in. It's it's there. If your if your work ethic and your and your you know and you work for your talent is is there and your heart is in it, then fuck the budget. 
you know? It, it should have no relevance whatsoever. And that's, that's how every single person, right down to the PAs, went into Bad Frank, and that's why we, we got magic. And everyone I, everyone I felt think, like that. I think that's what the issue might be, though, is because sometimes you get what you pay for, and not yeah. everyone would have that mindset. Like in the profession that I have, you know, there's departments that will get bonuses if they meet their goal at the end of the month. Right. And if they're halfway through the month and they're not even close, then they're like, I'm just not going to do it. Like, even though their oh, name's yeah. on it, you know, they're just like, whatever. I'm yeah. like, it's not, I'm because I'm only making what I'm supposed to, whatever I'm making, I'm not going to try that hard because I'm not making more. Well, you know what, Kev? We, cra- we cast up and we crew- crewed up in-house. Someone yeah. knew someone all over the place. Yeah. There's no one that came to the table that didn't know someone. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it was all like that, you know? Well, no, that's the thing is, it's obvious. It's obvious in this movie. But I'm saying, like, unfortunately, there's a lot of people doing independent, like, low-budget stuff. But I think sometimes, you know, you get people that are, like, very new or maybe just don't have the experience. And maybe maybe they don't know the right person and they're not getting a good cinematographer or a good sound guy or whatever. And it's it's going to show. Yeah. Well, no. Sometimes, I mean, I've seen seen a lot of low-budget that looks bad, but the sound is good and it's it's good. But... I, you, I know. If you could, if you could pull them both off, that even better, you know. I know. It just seems like it seems like in my, uh, you know, realm, it, I see more more good looking movies with bad sound than bad looking movies with good sound, and and that's the thing that bugs me the most. It's like, man, if they can't pull off a good good sound, I'm I'm completely out of the movie. I'm like, I ah. can't even hear what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And to get back to what, to Kat's point, I mean, I think one of the things that. Uh, we were very fortunate about is you know every single person that was on set was invested in the movie even like the PAs got paid nothing right but by the end of the PA by the end of the shoot they were doing grip and electric work I mean they were doing lighting they were doing everything right so when the movie was done um, we actually you know we gave every single person that was uh, in the crew a little piece of the movie so you know everyone got either uh, you know a quarter point or a half a point or something just because I wanted everyone to be a part of it, right? Because they put their heart and soul into it when they didn't have to, right? Some of them people could have just shown up and had a, for a paycheck if they wanted to, but they really didn't. And for someone to actually work for nothing and do work so hard on it, like some of the PAs were only supposed to be there for a week, right? Or a couple of days, and they just kept coming back, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and who does that, right? So, you know, that has to be rewarded. And, you know, and all the PAs that were on the last film... I've got them back on the next film, and I'm paying them this time, right? So, you know, I think Kevin and I, like, one of the things that we, I think, both are driven by is loyalty, right? If you work hard and and you really help, you know, there's no way we're not going to work with you again, right? So that, to me, is maybe that's a Jersey thing. I don't know. But, uh, you know, to me, that is, you know, that is of utmost importance to me is if, if if you're a part of the team, you know, you're part of the team as long as you want to be there. So that, that that's just that just that just has to be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, something that Kevin's that, that Kev said earlier, you know, he's talking about the eighty thousand versus fifty million. Well the only thing that I mean not the only thing, but one of the things that uh, that comes with that with that fifty million is that they're gonna force them to get a name. That so most of that fifty million isn't gonna go towards the movie. It's gonna go towards getting you know, uh, a, a decent sized name to to help promote the movie. Yeah. 
you know. Well, then you get so, the name, right? But then you also have to pay for the name's trailer, and you have to pay for the name's well, people, and you get exactly. all that, right? So that's where a lot of that budget goes. You're 100% right. Yeah, and so now, now after you get the name and the trailer and the people and, you know, the PR, you know, to follow it, you're stuck with what? A fifth of what you were asked, uh, you're a fifth of what you were given, you know, and now you got to, now you got to make a quality movie, you know, which you can, I'm just, you know, but I'm just saying you got to make a quality movie with, with uh, the big name behind it, you know, and still, still hope it makes money. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a, um, a system in place in the studio system that's been there for a very long time, you know, that the, at the end of the day, and it's kind of daunting or not daunting, um, unfortunate even knowing this as an actor but it's the business i'm in is that actors are looked at like stock you know yeah. from a true producer's mind you know so-and-so is worth this so-and-so is worth that and so-and-so if, if the producer has a million dollars to spend and three roles to cast and say five actors per role to look at they got to go with that million that million dollars got to make them 10 it can't make them seven and this is how it is. And there's like a percentage thing, too, that uh, exists in the business. And this goes for both indie and studio because if, to an extent, if independent film does follow the format for studio, um, you know, it's just a higher success rate. It's like, it's like following the rules of blackjack, you know what I mean? Like sooner or later, you know, you're going to hit and yada, yada. But um, it's kind of like a 60-40 or a 50-50 thing. Whatever your budget is, you put 50 into the, the top build cast, which is going to sell your movie, essentially. Any other money's into the production, everything, or, you know, 60-40, or 40-60, I should say, 40 to cast, 60 to budget. Everyone's got their own way of looking at it. But if you stay around those realms, you're you're actually, that's the recipe for making money, you know, so. That's, I mean, I understand a lot of people are in it just to make money, um, but I wish there yeah. was more people that were in it, like, to create art. And yeah. make money. It's a happy like, balance. I hear yeah. you, man. I, it's I, I it's unfortunate, but this, you know, yeah, and and we're guilty of we're guilty of consuming it ourselves. So it's like yeah. we rush out to the theater whenever any the new Marvel movie comes out. You know, if they weren't paying half these actors to be in the movie, they wouldn't be in the movie. Right. You know, so right. it's, and that's the only reason that that we're going to see them is because they're still in the movie. Yeah. 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 It's true. It's it's the marketing value of it, and you know you. Everything is a business at the end of the day, and if you want to sustain as an artist, you have to kind of learn the business. It's, it's, you know, I know a lot of actors. God, I know some actors that blow me away, that you guys will never see, and they just refuse to be, you know, to learn business. They just want to be actors, and they're the best actors in their workshops and in short films and even some features. But, you know, if you don't learn the business, how can you be a successful artist, so to speak? You know, nothing. Nothing comes by, not too much comes by chance, guys. You know, the Hollywood has a nice way of spinning shit, and it makes actors look like they're just actors. Dude, no. It's a big cloud. It's not like that at all. Successful actors are, for the most part, there for a reason. They're there for a reason. And either they're very, very smart, they got people with them that are very smart. No one just goes like this at the top. Nobody. No, it's it's all. I mean, it's a hundred percent networking. That's it. You got to know the right people to get to the right places, to get the right roles, to make the right money. Even yeah. even down to like the micro budget movies that we talk about all the time, like the a lot of independent horror. There's a ton of like really low budget independent horror that yeah. we're big fans of. 
But yeah. even with them, it's networking too. So it's like a little miniature version of Hollywood, yeah. I guess, because oh. it's like, you know. Not to you, you, I, I, I just saw the sickest film the other day. It's a, you guys are horror fans? Yeah. You know, yeah. Low budget, I think it's an Irish film. It's called In Fear. You guys ever hear that one? No. Yeah. yeah. Really, really simple. Nothing crazy. I think like maybe three actors. Man, I was flipping the lights on like halfway through. <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> Definitely worth seeing. Uh, I'm all about promoting other artists and everything too. And and that movie got me. It's called In Fear. So Tony's gets scared of that shit. So Tony, <laughs> don't worry about it. But uh, if you guys are into it, yeah, it's worth checking out. I'll check it out. Yeah. It looks yeah, like check that out. Yeah, mystery thriller came out in 2013. I'll check it yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. You were talking about actors that like there's a there's a lot of a good handful of actors that I'm a big fan of that are in the like very very low budget independent stuff that are I think are amazing actors and I don't think they'll ever see the light of the day like, light of day with in Hollywood. But at the same time too, I I don't think they want to. So like, what are your what are you guys thoughts on on like self distribution and like people, like this people, there's a there's a very large network of filmmakers out there that refuse to deal with the Hollywood, you yeah. know, aspect. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on that? Awesome question, Tony. Can I jump in this? Would you mind? Go ahead, you start. This is the coffee getting me now. All right. <laughs> so, I personally think that this is probably the best time to be in the film industry for any artist, by far. Where else can you have Bad Frank here and on iTunes and, 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 and a Tom Cruise movie right next to it? It just doesn't <laughs> happen, you know? Um, you're the, the, the platforms moving forward with, you know, iTunes, Amazon, Google, this one, that one, it gives every artist a chance to exist and to be seen. And regardless of your budget, you, you, will, you will be with the big players if you make a good film on an independent level. So I guess what I'm getting at is if you're smart, I mean, the independent actor or filmmaker has to work 10 times harder than someone that's essentially hired by a studio. Directors are hired by studios. Writers are hired. Actors are hired. So you're kind of catered a little bit. You don't have to work for it. With someone like Tony or myself and other guys and women in the industry, we got to work 10 times as hard to get to a point where we can compete at the studio level. So what I'm saying is, as of right now, an independent artist can make money. An independent artist can sustain, and an, and an actor, whether you're indie or not, just an actor or a filmmaker, the word indie, I don't know, just because it's independent, does it really matter? Does Hollywood even matter anymore? If I go, you know, Tony and I make two more movies in the next two years, and we, we're making some, I mean, let's talk brass tacks here, and we're making fucking cash, right? I don't care if I'm in X-Men 10. I mean, if I make a good movie and people see it, obviously you're making money, so a lot of people saw it, and, and they're making something that's moving people, then that's just the course that's going, you know? Um, I think some people aspire to be, quote-unquote, Hollywood. Some people aspire to be stars for different reasons, and they, they choose that route. I've seen that route. You can go that route. Sometimes you got to sacrifice who you are. Um, me, personally, I don't kiss ass. I don't give a fuck, so I, I do my own thing. Um, but some people, they do what they got to do to get to stardom, so to speak. There's certain avenues you can take, but if an independent artist can make money and sustain and make good projects and be right next to studio projects right there on all platforms, then who's to say what Hollywood is anymore? Does it really, 
does it really, at the end of the day, matter? Mm. No, I, I, that's interesting. <laughs> you know? No, I mean, but think about it. Like, the, the movies, like, you know, pretty much what he's saying, like, the a majority of the movies that, that we watch are low-budget, like, lower-budget, you oh, yeah. know, smaller movies, um, except for the movies that are in the theaters. But there's less and less. You, you go to the theater and there's like five screens of the same movie, right? You know, and every every once in a while something will sneak through. Like, wow, this is an original idea. Every once in a while you'll see that. Most of the time, it's that's not the case. No, um, come on. What? We, come on, we what? Had, well, we had quite a few original ideas last right, year. Right, right. Yeah, but but, you I'm, know, saying, but I'm just saying that, it's not just last once year was in a, a while. Good year. It is. Green it is yeah, I mean, just because last year was good doesn't mean that. Yeah. Last year was a good year for for horror and for original ideas. Um, but, I mean, but, even, this, even this year so far, I mean, we got A Cure for Wellness that came out. It was an awesome movie. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, 47 but, meters I think down. it is. I think you're right. It's, it's harder and harder to get a film out there, right? So a film like ours, you know, we were fighting hard to get you know, to, you know, to get it out on screens, right? To get theatrical, and we we just could not get it, right? But like Kev was saying, you know, you go on to iTunes, and we were promoting the hell out of this. That in the pre-sales of Bad Frank, you go look, and they show like the top pre-sales for the week, right? And there was Bad Frank next to that goddamn Boss Baby, right? We could never overtake the Boss Baby, right? <laughs> Nothing against that film at all, but you know, we were right there against that film, you know, and. You know, but we couldn't even crack anybody to get us in the theaters, yeah. right? But when, you know, like Kev said, this it's a whole new world out there, right? The biggest challenge, I think, is, you know, from a social media perspective, how do you get the word out there, right? You can make great content. You can get it on these platforms. But, you know, when you don't have the budget, you got to be really creative to figure out, how are you going to get as many people to hear about this film as humanly possible, right? Because if you want to keep doing this, that's what you have to do, yeah. right? So it, it, I think hopefully soon we'll figure out a way. Like we, I think we did a really good job, right, of getting awareness out there of the film. Hell, we're talking to you guys here, right? So things like that, we, we've been having the opportunity to get in front of people and tell them about what we do and what we did. And, you know, we're so proud of this film and, you know, the performances were fantastic, all that stuff. But... You know, there's got to be another way once it gets out on these digital platforms. You know, what's the next thing that we can do to really give indie filmmakers the opportunity that they deserve, right? Because like you said, Kev, I, I took my kids to see uh, Spider-Man this weekend. It was 12 theaters. Five of them were Spider-Man, right? Yeah. And I love the Spider-Man film. But, you know, you've got your IMAX and then you've got your 3D and then you've got, you know, your regular films. And so, yeah, exactly, exactly. But... You know, it's it's like where where do films like this fit in? There's an audience for it, right? Because there's people like yourselves, like these horror films that you love. How do you find them, right? There's probably as many as you like. There's probably 200 others out there you've never even heard of yeah. because you know you can't find them. And that, so that, that, that's one, I think one thing that's what's got to be next. Yeah, one thing that we've we've come across with a lot of the you know smaller directors that we've dealt with too is that because uh, physical the physical media is dying. Um, yeah. And it's pretty much going digital. That's they're not making anywhere near what they would make selling a Blu-ray or a DVD. So right. now it's it's getting to the point too where like they're having to release like special editions for the people that want to have the physical media, like myself. Yeah. But you know, at, at the same time too, like you know, some of the places like Amazon and Netflix or whatever aren't giving them. They're giving them like pennies on on you know per view. Yeah. And it's like that's not enough to keep going. 
you know, and it's unfortunate. There, but there's, there, there's that, and then there's the, there's also the flip side of that. I mean, I I could bring up, I could bring up one director in particular that we talked about many times. I said, uh, there's there's stuff, you know, they put it out there, and then like a week later, it gets ripped off. You know, oh yeah, gets, we're, we're, we're pirated. You know. We're pirated all over the place. Yeah, I, and, I, I knew that, but I mean, I had friends call me up, say, "Hey, man, I saw you on this site." I'm like, "Oh, great, thanks." What are you doing on that site to begin with? <laughs> but uh, you it know, it's for the porn, Kev. I'm sure, but that's yeah, all right. right. We, we, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it, things are changing. It's slowly changing, and being in the business, you can feel it. I think what's going to happen eventually is this: this aspect is going to go away. In order to have a hot movie on online on the internet of any any platform you have to have a theatrical release that's a rule of thumb in this business hands down slowly changing um it still exists but it's going away little by little by little and that's one of the reasons why bad frank was not top listed on itunes we probably had just as many pre-sales as some big films but when you have when you have um a theatrical release a decent one like 300 theaters or whatever it is um, because of that one fact, even if you take that, make that release and you take a hit, you take a loss, which most people go into thinking that's going to happen, the platforms put you up. And that's why iTunes and Amazon, this one, that one, for the most part, you're not going to see indies for the most part, unless you go to independent. Because everything is the studio system to the platforms, and they want to see Boss Baby and Spider-Man and this one, that one. You'll always see them top build. Always, but it's slowly starting to change, and hopefully, you know. And the reason why it's changing is not because it's not because the film industry is changing; it's because the people are changing. Film fans are changing. Film fans are watching what they want to watch, and the industry is adapting to that. That's why everything is just kind of coming full circle. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think so I think more people are looking for actual quality. Like, yeah. you yeah. know, that, that, that's the thing is it used to just be like, okay, I'm going to throw on the TV and whatever's on is on. Right. Or whatever movies in the theater, I'm gonna go see it no matter what. Right. But now I think I think people are more picky about what they're viewing. I mean, you wouldn't be able to tell by going to some of the movies that, you know, you know. Th there's many times I've gone to these big blockbuster movies and there's people in the in the uh, theater just on their phones. They're not even like watching the movie. Oh yeah. Um, but I mean, but I think in general, I think more people are you know, th there's a there's a lot of good quality stuff that you can watch at home, and I think some of the filmmakers, you know. That have the quality stuff now they're able to get in there that way and you know be right alongside of some of these other awesome things like you were saying yeah but i don't know i it, it does it does scare me that the fact that you know i'm buying less physical media because it's less available to me you know and it's, i i don't like to see that that die because i put a lot of money into it you know yeah. and they're worthless now but whatever <laughs> that being said Bad Frank is in my Amazon shopping cart right now on Blu-ray hey. for nineteen ninety nine. Just saying. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So we want to yeah, remind well, everybody that Bad Frank is available right now, and uh, if you check the show notes down below or up above, depending on where you're watching, you're going to find a link for VOD and physical media. And if you're planning on getting the physical media, just like they said before, they, I would grab it as soon as possible. Oh yeah. You never know. Oh yeah. Yeah, send it to us. Well, Kev will sign it for you. It'd be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'll bring it with me when I go to Rhode Island Comic Con, and I'll have you sign it. <laughs> yeah, I'll stand right next to you online. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll both be in line for the Walking Dead guys and be like, hey, oh, yeah. you want to sign this for me? And then people are oh, like, yeah. what's going on? 
Who's this guy? Uh, he's nobody. Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, uh, Tony, you said you're you're in Jersey, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, they... We both are actually. Kev just moved back to Jersey, so the state is a little bit better right now. So uh, I'm right outside of Morristown, and Kev's where you Kev right outside of uh, Montclair, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I know Montclair. I, cool. Uh, uh, I was just great, in Jersey. Last weekend, I was in New Jersey. I don't even know what what area I was in. What exit? I have no idea. I didn't drive. There was some comic book convention out there that I went and helped someone with. Oh, you were in Morristown. All right. Oh, you were right next to my house. Really. Oh, really? It's a yeah, nice, it's been, a nice area. Mentioned before. Yeah. Was the guy from uh, the guy from the Flash was there, right? John Wesley Ship. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you were literally twenty minutes from my house. Yeah, they had. I had to do a little pro, like shoot a promo video with. Uh, with Dean Kane as well for uh, Terrificon while I was there. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. Oh, was he there? Yeah, he was there. Oh, nice, very nice. It was a, it was actually a pretty pretty cool venue. Like literally, it was a cool venue because it's two ice rinks that they just put floors on. Yeah. So it was like the the most comfortable comic book convention I've ever been to. Because usually it starts to get pretty ripe in there with all those nerds in one area, you know. <laughs> but I'm one of those nerds, so I can say that. But. Um, <laughs> But it was it was actually the most comfortable. I thought it would have been better if they made everyone wear ice skates. But <laughs> <laughs> I've been I've been to that one before. It's the, uh, it's called the Men in Arena. So yeah, they, they my my kids have uh, ice skated there, and uh, but that's it's pretty cool because I mean for a comic book convention they really focus on the comic books. I've been to some that you know it's all about the guests and all that stuff, but this yeah. one was really focused on you know the the actual comics themselves, which is cool. Yeah, like a ton of comic artists and everything, yeah. writers. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was pretty good. Yeah, uh, not very many celebrities. You know. Exactly. Yeah. If you well, like, I guess getting into Morristown, New Jersey is a little difficult. So, uh, <laughs> uh, but John Wesley Ship jumped right in there with Dean Cain, so it was good. Yeah. Uh, if you like conventions like that, another good one is Trificon uh, coming up in August. That's actually going to be the next con we're going to be at. Uh, but the reason why I brought up uh, New Jersey is. Um, Walker Stalker just brought back the New Jersey version. Uh, if you're a Walking Dead fan, it's going to be at the New Jersey uh, Convention and Exposition Center. Ooh. Yeah. What date is that? That is December 9th and 10th. Okay. And it's all, pretty the, much uh, all Walking Dead. So. Yes. Yeah. And I think, uh, what's his name? The other guys, uh, Amel does the Heroes and Villains too, right? Yep. I think they're in the same spot. That's a cool convention center. Yeah, we've uh, we were there what three years ago. Yeah, that's where we met the guys from Comic Book Men. Yeah, and oh, nice. We met uh, and and then we also met Brian Quinn from Impractical Jokers that day as well. Oh, cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, they, they were all together because Quinn does a podcast with Brian Johnson from Comic Book Men. They do a podcast called Tell Him Steve Dave, and um. That's a that's a Kevin Smith reference from that's like his only oh, line. Oh yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, tell okay. him, Steve, Dave. Yeah, we're we're a little obsessed with Kevin Smith stuff. I don't know if you've noticed. So it was awesome to have to have Brian on. Oh yeah, had, yeah. Well, I, I, as a as an indie filmmaker, Kevin Smith has you know been one of my idols, and mm-hmm. I met him at a, a book signing a couple of years ago, and that's uh, a great story for a couple of years. But. Uh, you know, having Brian as part of the film, uh, to me, that was almost bigger than having Sizemore show up, right? Because I grew up on Dante. You know, that was like one of the first films. You're like, oh, my God, look what he did, you know, for $30,000 on credit cards. I, I got to be able to figure out a way to do that, you know? And, and Brian was just, Brian was awesome. So, yeah, that was uh, that was a very cool moment when he showed up. 
Yeah. And he showed up to, Kevin showed up to that screening in Teaneck. Yeah. One of the festivals that we're in, he came and showed up. We didn't even know he was coming. That was the he first just, time you know, he, he saw just showed up. And, what's that? That was the first time he saw it. Yeah, I know. I know. So, he, you know, I think he was pleasantly surprised with the results. So, uh, but uh, yeah, he, he was a really good guy. He And he's very, uh, very positive on social media, all this stuff he helps out with. Like anything we put out, he's always, you know, either liking or retweeting or something. So he's, he's fantastic. Nice. Yeah, he had nothing but good things to say about it when he was on the show as well. So, good. Yeah. yeah, he seems like a very good guy. Yeah. Um, well, we've met him at conventions here and there, but I never really had a lot of time to talk to him until that show. So, but yeah, so yeah, I think we should probably wrap it. We should. Uh, so, Kevin. Hey. I know oh, we have. Uh, <laughs> if you want to follow Kevin, check the show notes down below or up above. But, Kevin, where do you like people following you? Uh,. I'm open, man. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, it's all fine. Want to stop by and say hello? Uh, that'd be great. Cool beans. And Tony, same for you? Yeah, usually they could follow me in their car around my neighborhood. That's usually what works best. But uh, yeah, Twitter, Instagram, Tony Germ on either or, that's all good. Yeah. And the movie, uh, Bad Frank movie. Bad Frank movie on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're on there as well. Yeah. Nice. Yo, yo, Thanks yo. so much for having us on, guys. This oh, was yeah, no this is a lot no of fun. I really appreciate yeah. it. Coming on. It was a real pleasure, guys. Thank you. It was really cool. Thanks to everyone listening right now. It's uh hope you enjoy the movie. Yes. And yo yo. Um, you can find me at boymeetsphone.com. Also boymeetsphone on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, wherever you're doing your social media, I should probably be there. Also, you can find me on New England New England Comic Con Reviews at anycomiconreviews.com or any ECC reviews on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat. Um, and of course, you can find me on Dorkening on Sunday shows on Tuesday and, of course, Thursday. You're in a lot of places, Yo Yo. Yeah. I yeah. am. It's all over the place. <laughs> I don't know. How do you have time to breathe? I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> Wolfie. You can find me on YouTube, the 13th Wolfman, Twitter at the 13th Wolfman, Tumblr, 13th Wolfman, the Prowl, every Sunday on the Dorkening, every Tuesday on Wicked Horror Show, doing a horror one with Kevin. When we're done with that, it's going to be Wicked Horror Reviews. Take a breath. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I was say, that was like rapid fire. Like, when he's done, he just passes out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kevin. All right. You can find me, A Knuckle, on Twitter, Instagram, A Knuckle 3 on Snapchat, as well as every Sunday on The Dorkening, every Tuesday on Wicked Horror Show, doing the reviews with Wolfie. There. And uh, <laughs> like we said before, before, definitely check out the show notes down below or up above. You need to watch Bad Frank. It's available out right now. Uh, and definitely make sure you subscribe to The Dorkening to see more awesome guests like this. We do shows every Sunday, Tuesday, and now Thursday, the video game show. We do a lot of stuff. It's I get no sleep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, every time he blinks, that's when the moment he gets to sleep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you all for joining Just us. Just took a quick nap right now, right? Yeah. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this show. If you did, please make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcast. If you want to be part of a future show, you can find us over on YouTube or Facebook where we broadcast all our episodes multiple times a week live in front of an online audience where you can interact with us and our guests. Our main show, The Dorkening, is produced live on Sundays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. The Wicked Horror Show comes at you Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. And the Ultimate Video Game Show zooms in on Thursdays at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. This has been a Dorkening Network production powered by New Media Promotions. You can learn more about our network by heading on over to www.thedorkening.com.